0: Proverbs 15. We're going to look at one verse of scripture and uh, develop a message. I teach the guys in homiletics. There are three types of sermons. There are expositional sermons where you go to a text, stay in the text, draw everything out of that text. There are textual sermons where the main points are from a text, but you can bring in other ancillary verses to, to you know, build the case, sort of, so to speak. And then there are topical, and tonight's going to be a topical Bible study that is launched out of Proverbs 15, verse 18, which reads, A wrathful man stirreth up a- strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. It's really going to be a, a two week kind of a Bible study on. The angry man, a wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Now immediately when we think of an angry person, we think of red-faced, loud voice, very aggressive behavior. But there can be deeply angry people that seem docile on the exterior but they're a burning cauldron internally. And neither one is worse than the other. One may be more socially acceptable, but remember, God looks on the heart. We are living in an increasingly angry world. I mean, when somebody shoots a restaurant person because their fries are cold, there's something wrong road rage, Uh, all the things that are in the news and you you sit back and you shake your head and say, really? You find that acceptable? The, The truth is, unfortunately, if I were to do a series of sermons on acceptable sins, in quotation marks, anger would probably make the list. Um, and, and that's unfortunate and sad. So two thoughts about anger, and then we're going to go through the book of Proverbs and see the warnings about it. First of all, we have to admit together that anger is destructive. It's destructive. This word wrath in verse 18, a wrathful man, it's root speaks of heat, poison, hot displeasure, furious indignation, and rage. That is a wrathful man. I've told you about the gentleman I worked with at American Steel Foundries. He was in the maintenance department. I was a production worker and you know, it, guys who work in maintenance department during the day, they have to at least in the plant where I worked, during the day they had projects they were always working on. And the second shift and third shift, once the maintenance foreman went home, they only left their tool crib if there was a breakdown. So they always felt like if something broke down, it was your fault. You did this on purpose. And Tom was his name, and Tom would, I mean, you could just tell he was ticked off as he walked up to you. And, you know, when I first started there, I had mundane jobs grinding and different things. Uh, We'd have to grind the the face of these springs to to where three-quarters was ground smooth so it would stand erect and so on. Well, you know, when you run a grinding machine, the wheel is going to eventually wear out. And it's not my fault. it wore out on my shift. And I was allowed 49 minutes for him to come and change that on my time card, or else I was having to make up time because he took too long because I had to produce a certain number of parts an hour. So some, you know, I first started being uneducated regarding how the unions worked. I would move things out of the way, and I would take the shroud off, and I'd shut off the water. Who told you to do that? I just learned to be a nice guy. <laughs> I learned that was not the thing to do. So then I thought, well, then I'll just step back out of his way, and I'm a Bible college student, so I always had things to read. I'd pull my New Testament out of my pocket, and I'd lean against a bin, and I'd be reading my New Oh, he'd come and throw hammers and everything he had. On his tool. There's nothing I could do to make the guy happy. I was very happy to get on a different job that didn't require so much maintenance. He was just an angry man. The root of the word anger here in verse 18, it's a, it's a word that reflects facial expression. It refers to the nose, it refers to the face being red. Uh, so by extension, it's just that look, you know? That look a mom has when you did that, which you shouldn't have done, that look, that's, that's this word. There are several words, if you study the etymology of anger and wrath and rage as used in the Bible, but two predominant ones, I don't know the correct pronunciation, orge, which means passion or energy. And the other is thumos, which means a boiling within. So you see that the the potential for damage and danger is wrapped up in the meaning of these words. Webster's Dictionary describes anger as excessive emotion or passion aroused by a sense of injury or wrong. So when I say anger is destructive, uh, just a few thoughts there. Anger is destructive in society. Uh, Our missionary, Eddie Ray in China, a few months back told the story how he was in the gas station in Beijing, fueling up his vehicle for whatever reason, This Chinese man became angry with him and was trying to get him to do something. I forget exactly what, and Eddie was like, you know, I'm getting my fuel, I'm getting out of here. And when he went to pull out, the guy rammed his car, and Eddie Ray ended up being put into not just a prison where everybody knows about, but a prison that no one knows about, and he wondered if he was ever gonna get out. On his way to the prison, he realized what was going on, and he texted, before they took away his phone, he texted a man in his church who worked in the police department who said, if I don't hear from you in 24 hours, I'm contacting the US State Department. And and so because of all that anyway, Eddie Ray got out rather quickly, but it was all over. Somebody didn't like the fact that he got to the pump before him or whatever. Yeah, you, you, you just scratch your head, but our society now is promoting this kind of mindset. He, everybody thinks they deserve more than they have. They think that others are in a position rather than what they have, et cetera. So it, it's destructive to society, but it's destructive to relationships. I wonder how many marriages are split up. I'm, I'm talking about in society at large now, and unfortunately sometimes in a church because of an angry person. It's a sad thing. Husband and wife split, parents and children, they may not split, but the kids are like, I never want anything to do with my parents. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. By the way, angry people are produced by angry people. You grow up in that atmosphere, you're gonna find, you're gonna think that's normal. But it destroys relationships in the church. Remember Romans 12 teaches us as members of a body we are members one of another. But things happen, forgiveness is not given, and schisms and fractures come into the body of believers. But thirdly, anger destroys the angry person. It destroys the angry person, destroys their own health. It destroys their, uh, their own ability to function in society contentedly. Keep your finger here in Proverbs 15. We'll come back and go to Proverbs chapter 27. Notice verse number three, Proverbs 27, verse number three says, A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath or anger is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Look at those two verses. A stone is heavy. Well, this isn't talking about a little pebble you can put in your pocket and walk away. This is talking about a rock that could be used in building materials. Well, you can carry them for a while, but they're rounded edges. They're hard to get a grip on. They're hard to move. There's even contests. I don't remember. It's like a Celtic contest where they have these three big perfectly round weights that they have to put up on stands in a certain period of time. Now imagine having to do that all day long. You would say the stone is heavy, It' becoming more difficult all the time. Sand is weighty. If you've ever tried to uh, you know move wheelbarrows full of sand, you realize very quickly it's unwieldy, it's, it's hard to do and it's very dangerous. In fact we just had two men die in a in a collapsed building a site here in Ajax uh, on Roslyn Road just the other side of Harwood they were digging uh, a pit for a storm sewer and it collapsed And they could not get all the sand off of them before two of the four died just happened yesterday day before sand is weighty but notice he goes on to say a fool's wrath is heavier or you could say more burdensome than either the stone or the sand. Let me give you a visual picture. Say you've got a backpack and you've got to, you've got to carry you know, some weight. So you, you fill it with sand or you fill it with stone, trying to get it, some kind of a, a shoulder harness. And he says, a fool's wrath is heavier than being weighed down by sand or stones. The point of the passage is teaching that when we don't deal with anger biblically, we're weighing ourselves down. And we'll come back to verse number four in a moment. So anger is destructive, number one. Number two, anger can be controlled. You want the most common excuse if somebody gets angry and they get confronted about it is uh, you know that's just the way I am but I just blow up and then I'm okay hand grenades only go off once too but there's a lot of collateral damage you want to know how I know that anger can be controlled I know none of the husbands and wives sitting in our auditorium tonight have ever had an angry word, but let's just pretend. Let's pretend you're just having a really good argument going. I mean, you're not throwing things, but if you could, you would. But anyway, and that's going on, and you hear a knock on the door, and I'm standing on your porch. Guess what, it just stopped, right? You wanna know why? Anger can be controlled, if you want to, if you want to. Now, I'm not, I'm not promoting self-control here, primarily here. Obviously, the more we're under the control of the Holy Spirit, the less we'll be under the control of anger. But my point is this, we make excuses, but the truth is anger is not genetic. It's a learned behavior. And if we can learn to be angry, we can learn how to not be angry or how to control it properly. I understand you don't have a choice. The home you grow up in, if you grow up in an unsaved home or an angry home, you you may have grown up in a home filled with anger. I did not. But as an adult, you have the, you have the opportunity to make the choice of who's going to influence you. Now, Proverbs is filled with instruction on anger, so that's why we're doing a topical study. Here's a verse of scripture, Proverbs twenty-two, twenty-four. 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. So God says, don't spend time with somebody who's angry because it will influence you. You will learn that behavior. Ephesians 4 26 and 27 passage the spirit of God had Paul write about the old man the new man the new man he says verse 26 Ephesians 4 26 be angry and sin not so in other words there are some times to be angry but most of the times we say that we're or we are angry are not those times Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. And what is the Holy Spirit teaching us? When we are angry, we open ourselves up to satanic influence in our lives. There is such a thing as righteous anger. We ought to be angry about abortion. We ought to be angry about Moral issues in our society that are harming our families, our children, our society, etc. But very few are ever righteously angry. We are far more often fleshly in our anger. We're angry about things that happen to us, disappointments, how we're treated, etc. And we need to be warned about that. Anger is always dangerous because we are not under control and we're allowing Satan to have an influence. So five warnings about anger from Proverbs, okay? So we're gonna be bouncing around in the book of Proverbs. Certainly you wanna write down the references if you don't turn with them. Turn to Proverbs 16. Verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. What was the end of our text verse? It says, he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turneth away wrath. So what is, what is the proverb? Well, let's... Proverbs 25, another one here. Proverbs 25, a a parallel to what we just read in 1632. Proverbs 25, 28, he that hath no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Principle number one, or warning number one, or I'll put it this way, principle number one, God commands us to be in control of our spirit. When we are not, we are like a city that is defenseless. Remember, in the Bible days, every city was like a city-state. They would have their own defense. They would have their own wall. They would have their own army. And so a city without a wall has no defense. It has no way to protect itself. And angry people are like a city without a wall. They are vulnerable for attack. I think it's out of print now, but there used to be a little blue booklet, about 50 pages long. The title of it was, Your Attitude is Showing. And it does. And it does. And as a child of God, we're to be... Filled with the Holy Spirit, which literally means under the control of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine or in his excess, but be filled or controlled by the Spirit. If we're under the control of the Holy Spirit, anger has no place. So spiritual people are not angry people. Now we all have to battle it. There are things that tick us off, no doubt. I've met very few people that do not have a button that can be pushed. But the reality is God says we are to be in control. Our attitude is our choice. We can react to the circumstances we think are unjust or unfair or to disappointments or to people or to circumstances or we can choose to trust God in it. Look, every life is gonna have some lemons in it. So you choose to either get bitter and sour or to make lemonade. You know, I, I don't like things that happen sometimes and, and I have to guard my spirit. I pray about it a lot. But I have to make that choice. So God says, don't Allow yourself to be angry because you are vulnerable. It's a warning. Number two, turn to Proverbs 27. We were just there a moment ago, but I'm going to focus in on verse number four now. The stone is heavy, verse three, and sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Verse four, wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? And here's the second warning. Anger is destructive. I said that at the beginning, but I want to make a point here. You see that word outrageous in verse number four? If you take notes in your Bible or you want to write, I would underline that word because the word is talking about a flood, a torrent of water. Anger is like a flash flood, if you let me put it in the modern vernacular. Now, you know, I grew up in Southern California. The few family vacations we took, we drove through Death Valley to get from California to Kansas to visit relatives. I can remember as a boy, this is pre-cars with air conditioning. Being in the back seat of our car, the window open, my feet hanging out, and, and my parents drawing my attention to the electronic sign outside the bank. And we were going through Death Valley in the middle of the night because my dad knew how hot it was. We, he'd get home from work Friday, we'd load the car, we'd drive through the night. It was 121 degrees Fahrenheit. Death Valley just last week had a rainstorm. They said it was a a once-in-a-thousand-year rainstorm wiping out roads, moving topography, making some areas unrecognizable. What did all that? Water. Water. Water is powerful. You've watched the news, seen the floods down in Kentucky over the last week. A person that allows himself to be angry is like a flood. They bring havoc and destruction on everything and everyone in their path. And here's the sad thing. Often hurting the people they claim to love the most. They may not hurt them physically, but wound their spirit so deeply, they struggle emotionally for life. I've seen guys so angry, they kick in the door of their own car. I've seen pictures of guys who got angry and punched holes in the wall of their house. Now, let me, you know, let me just, a little logic here. Somebody's got to fix that. It costs money. And besides that, it's a good way to hurt your hand. You hear athletes get angry, in locker room, punching a locker, breaking a bone, not able to play for a month. Now, that was really brilliant. I'd like to be there, except they'd probably kill me, but I'd like to be there and say, you feel better. And the point is, yes, when we get angry, if we don't deal with it biblically, we make ourselves vulnerable. Number two, it's destructive. Number three, look at chapter 29 and verse 22. An angry man stirth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. Turn to chapter 30 and verse 33. Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, and the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood, so the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. Principle number three is anger expressed leads to more anger this is that person who says oh once I blow up I'm okay generally that's not true and generally when you express anger there's going to be a retort and then it's going to go back and forth and it's only going to denigrate from there Yeah, I'd never seen that as a kid growing up. When I worked in that factory, sometimes you'd see two guys go at each other and screaming at each other and forming to have to break it up. And I'm like, wow, people really do live like this. This isn't just cartoon. I mean, this is real life. But let me tell you something. For those who like to excuse it and say if I blow off steam, I'm okay. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Zero. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. So if our speech is just blowing off steam, we're not edifying anybody. We are violating Bible principles. Angry speech is never pleasing to God. Colossians 4.6, let your speech be always with grace. So here, Ephesians 4.29, no corrupt communication. Colossians 4.6, always with grace. I don't find any room in there for blowing off steam. Anger expressed leads to more anger. Turn back to Proverbs 19. Warning number four. Proverbs 19, verse 19. A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment for if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. In other words, a person who is angry isn't angry one time and they will suffer punishment. That word punishment means a fine or a penalty. It's really talking about a monetary penalty that's put on a person who violated the law. Principle number four is, unless we learn to control our anger, we will always struggle. Again, you may not have had a choice, the home you grew up in, but you you can Choose to learn by the Spirit of God how to control your temper. Think of King Saul. He was angry at David. He became angry at his own son, Jonathan, to the point his pride was driving him to where he would have killed his son rather than say, you know what, that that edict I put out yesterday was really sort of stupid. He couldn't admit his bad judgment, and was so prideful, he was willing to kill the heir to the throne, the human heir, even though David was to be the king. Saul's life, to me, is one of the saddest biographies you read in Scripture. He was on a spiral down because he was an angry man and he never learned how to control it, which put him to the place where he actually got involved in witchcraft because he could hear the voice of God no more. If you live by your emotions and you do what you want to do, you are not under the control of the Spirit of God. You're not a spiritual person. You're living in the flesh. Anger just breeds more anger and you'll always struggle. And lastly, turn to Proverbs 29. I already read this, but I want to put it in another context. Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man stirreth up strife. A furious man aboundeth in transgression. Turn back to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 19 says, He he, uh, loveth transgression that loveth strife. And he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. James says, where envying and strife is, James 4, 6 is a reference. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Strife stirreth up strife. An angry person stirreth up strife. Uh, He that loveth transgression loveth strife. The point that I'm making, warning number five, is trouble will always be a part of an angry person's life. By the way, angry people end up being very isolated and alone. Who wants to spend time with an angry person? Not me, I have enough trouble. Folks, we need to be honest about the fact that we are sinners saved by grace. Our emotions are not sanctified yet. They need to be placed under the control of the Spirit of God. Some people are naturally more laid back you know, they, they, they deal with things, you know, so what, so what. But they do have times when they struggle with it. Other people are a little more high-wired, you know. It's like the guy said about his wife, she is so touchy. Everything I say makes her upset. The other guy said, be thankful, my wife's a self-starter. Sorry, ladies, I just thought of that joke. I didn't. It's not in my notes. Spontaneous humor, shouldn't put it in. But there's some people, I mean, you're always on eggshells around them, right? But angry people are not content. They don't have good relationships and they end up being alone. I found this and I'll close with it. Anger never pays. When I've lost my temper, I've lost my reason too. I'm never proud of anything which angrily I do. When I've walked in anger and my cheeks are flaming red, I've always uttered something that I wish I had not said. In anger, I've never done a kindly deed or wise, but many things for which I know I should apologize. In looking back across my life and all I've lost or made, I can't recall a single time when anger ever paid warnings about anger look if you 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 may be able to control it externally but you're a bubbling cauldron inside it's the same thing and by the way parents if you allow your children to throw a temper tantrum or they will not obey you they just clam up that's an internal temper tantrum the other's external You're training an angry child. Someday you want somebody to love them and come to you and say, thank you for the way you reared your son or your daughter, because now they're my spouse. Begin when they're two and three. Don't wait till they're 13.